Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. mid-1980s Vision Quest Linda Fiorentino Matthew Modine and that was the uh, title track from a terrific soundtrack Journey on Steve Perry's 71st birthday. This is Oilers Now, brought to you by Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. You're all in one convenient location. It's digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. We all had a shoot in our life. Anybody who saw Vision Quest knows what I'm talking about. Anyways, uh, momentarily we're going to head off on our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline to talk to David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. Keep texting us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors, floors strong enough for every mini sticks tournament. We'll tell you that guests in the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village Steak and Seafood Cooked Ready at your table, Edmonton South, Downtown Northside, Sherwood Park, and now open uh, in West Edmonton Mall. Well, uh, the one blogger that we have on the show, and he's a he is a writer. He does great work on uh, feature pieces for the Edmonton Journal. He's covered some of the uh, biggest uh, trials. Uh, did a real intriguing, uh, what would you call that? Sort of a I don't even know what you'd call it. Sort of a bio on uh, Oilers owner Daryl Cates about two years after he got the team. Uh, we welcome back to the show from the cult of hockey, David Staples. Hello, David. How are you doing? I'm good, Bob. How are you? Good. What, what? Which feature? Did you do the one on the uh, on the mind blowing up the one time? Was it? Was that yours that you ended up writing? Yeah, in 1992, nine men were killed at a gold mine strike in Yellowknife, and Greg Owens and I wrote a book on it called The Third Suspect. We covered the story for a couple of years for the Journal. Yeah. For about 20 years, I covered most major mass murders, homicides in Alberta, and then I got tired of uh, 
the gloom and doom of covering that. But did, uh, did you do the Jason Dix trial? I did not do that one. That so, that one to me that is was messy. Yeah, that one is uh, obviously RCMP, Mister Big Sting. I actually know a couple people that worked on that case. Uh, that is a to me that's a movie. I mean, it's it's, it's sad, obviously, what occurred for the uh, you know the family members that, that lost a couple people as a result of that. Uh, Crazy, crazy stuff uh, back in the mid-1990s. All right, uh, look, Cult of Hockey, you talk Oilers. Uh, you have a, a real strong uh, and committed and loyal following with it as well. High engagement level on it. Let's get to um, the first topic. And we do have John Shannon coming up at 135, and we'll find out what John can say and what he can't say at this stage with the uh, Connor McDavid doc, uh, doc coming out after the uh, all-star skills competition, Connor McDavid, whatever it takes uh, to debut Friday. Um, again, David, uh, full disclosure here, I did not know until I saw the trailer for it uh, on Monday, and the trailer was put up uh, out there in YouTube purposes, I believe, on Monday. I did not know, th- you know, some of the, th- well, a lot of the things that were going on. Uh, and I'd like to think that I'm on top of things, but I didn't have a clue. This has turned out to be a, a, a story unto itself, hasn't it? Yeah, fans were kind of on the edge of their seats for a long time. And it was initially, and from listening to McDavid's mom, who was interviewed today, on I think in Ontario, it sounds like there was a lot of uncertainty about exactly how bad it was for the first couple of weeks. She said they were on a roller coaster um, trying to figure out how bad it was. And now reading just how bad it was, I don't know about you, Bob, but I kind of felt queasy. When I was reading, uh, you know, Ryan Rashog's tweet about graphs, possibility of graphs and screws being put into his knee, yeah. it kind of made me feel sick to my stomach. That kind of, I mean, it brought me back to the Bobby Orr. Connor McDavid reminds me a lot of Bobby Orr, just the way he, he dominates the game, moves up and down the ice, beats players one-on-one. And, of course, that's what ended Orr's career. And I just grasped and sc- the possibility that that was on the table for his knee. I mean, we, we won't know till we see the documentary, but that's scary stuff. Well, you know, I, I will, you know, and I've mentioned this to before on, on various shows that I've hosted, including going all the way back to Total Sports. But I remember during March and April of 2006, uh, as the Edmonton Oilers were making the playoffs and then in through the first round, I was getting emails. Actually, I think it started in February. I was getting emails from people saying that Chris Pronger was going to request a trade, okay? Mm -hmm. And I was quite dismissive of it because the Oilers had just signed Pronger to a five-year deal in the first of five, you know, and he was in the first of five years. And it taught me a wonderful lesson. Uh, You do have to, like, 90% of the time, the stuff that people pass off, and, and, and then there's currency that certain people build up like there's a there's a tv guy and every time he says something to me i have to take it with a grain of salt because nothing he has said so far has turned out to be 100 percent factual <laughs> but there's another tv guy that if he says something i'm kind of like all right well this guy's track record is pretty good but i learned something on that with pronger but and there were there was some things out there during the summer on mcdavid but there wasn't real clarity and uh you know, Connor, David, if you're down there and you are not, but if you're down there on a day-to-day basis, generally speaking, Connor doesn't like talking about himself. Uh, and he's not a guy to engage the way Wayne Gretzky used to or the way Timo Solani or Sergei Fedorov or Shane Doan would when they'd come to Edmonton and they'd give, you know, the scribes 10 to 12 or 15 minutes of time. Now, part of it is McDavid has to do that all the time wherever we go. 
right? He has to give two or three minutes of time. But it's not like you're ever going to get any information out of him, and, and that's that's pretty interesting. What's sort of the response been on the cult of hockey? Like, if, are, are people realizing maybe how lucky this whole situation worked out? Yes, and there's been a lot of debate, like, you know, was it right to withhold the information? Should there have been discussion or not? And, and you know, uh, the general, I think the generally the, the take is, uh, there was enough anxiety already in oil country about this, and it just would have exploded. I think if, if people knew how bad it was, I think like the the amount of <laughs> angst that would have been uh, people would have been experiencing, maybe it was better not to know. You know, the orders are pretty tight with their injury information, and they have been for some time. And as a fan, I think fans always want to know, uh, or most fans want to know exactly what's going on. But um, in this case, maybe not. You know, I'm I'm really curious to see the documentary, Bob, because they, they talked about uh, we're hearing about a completely torn PCL, torn meniscus. Like, how did I? I had no idea. Uh, obviously, I'm not a knee surgeon, <laughs> right? Beyond my beyond my uh, uh, capabilities, but uh, I, I didn't. I, did you even know that those things could heal on their own? I didn't know that they could. But he's obviously. I mean, he's obviously he's like 110 percent from where he was last year. He's never moved better. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. I had this discussion last year with a, I would call him a uh, father of a prominent NHL player, and he is not a believer in surgery. Okay? Uh-huh. This guy, this guy is pretty new. Th- this guy is the type of guy that uh, he would be opposed to having assistant coaches insisting on bag skating young players on game days. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this would be, and and for the record, this this guy was a professional athlete himself. So let's just say I've had extensive conversations with him over the years on how to train and how to do things, and he thinks he, uh, hockey was sort of the last of the sports to sort of come around, uh, which brings us, I mean, even look at load management. Like, I, I think we, look, the players get four months off a month, uh, four days off a month now. You know, when Wayne Gretzky played, they, they practiced you know, on a light day, 15 to 25 minutes, and a long day, you know, 45 minutes, sometimes without pucks, but they skated pretty much every day. It's completely different today. Your, your key players, you know, you have optionals and those sort of things. We're also, the, the league's way better. Guys skate way better. Uh, and the margins between the top teams, excluding Detroit, who were just a horrific team this year, kind of like Colorado was back in 16-17, the teams are all, anybody can beat anybody on a given night. We know that. So I, I don't know if we're going to get true load management the way, you know, Kawhi ran the show last year, and he did run the show on the Raptors. He told the Raptors when he was going to play yeah. and when he didn't play. I think the load management occurs kind of with, with how players are deployed in practice. But but I'm with you. I had no idea that it was at the degree of challenges that Connor was going to. And that's part of the reason why I want to watch the actual documentary is to just get a full sense of it. If we have NHL players, Bob, sitting out games due to load management, it's going to be shocking for hockey fans, including myself. Until I'm going to have to get my head around that because that's what's happening in the NBA now is guys are just sitting out regular season games on a regular basis, I believe. And, and man, that's going to be – Connor McDavid sits out a game or two. We're, going to, we're all going to freak. Yeah, well, uh, but you, we might get used to the idea. Yeah, t- time will tell in that regard. All right, that's uh, that's uh, again. Uh, I'm gonna we'll have John Shannon coming up uh, to talk about whatever it takes because uh, John will acknowledge that he's done a little bit of work on it. That's uh, let's go to Zach Cassian. Mark Spector pointed yeah. out Saturday, the day of the game, that uh, you know contract discussions were ongoing. Uh, I, it's my belief, David, that Zach sees a fit here in Edmonton for himself, and the Oilers see a fit for Zach. What's the sense out there, uh, sort of in the in the blogosphere on Zach? 
well, there's some people are going to freak out no matter, like if he gets a three, four year contract, like a four year, con- let's say he gets the, uh, I've been saying all along the Furland contract, 3.5 million for four years. Because it's really, the problem is, is this, Bob, it's really hard to find a comparable player to Zach Cassian. I mean, who, who goes from being like kind of a third, fourth line grinder suddenly at the age of 28, 29 is one of the top yeah. even strength scoring forwards in the NHL. And then you have to sign him to a contract. I mean, Zach Cassian right now, he he ranks 44 out of out of uh, 355 NHL forwards in even strength scoring. 44. I mean, he that's he, he's getting close to the top 30 here. He's at the same level of even strength scoring this year, 2.33 points per 60, as players like Mitch Marner, Kyle Connor, Nylander, Kuznetsov, uh, Mantha. And Patrick Lyonie. I mean, these are the these are the people surrounding him right now in the scoring charts at that level of scoring at even strength. And the other complicating factor is, well, there's two other complicating factors. He doesn't play the power play, so that's good. That kind of keeps down his price. Uh, and, but he's also twenty. He's twenty nine in a couple of days, yeah. so he's heading into those years when um, players tend to drop off in terms of their performance. So what I did today was I looked at like similar players to Cassian. It's hard to find similar players, but I found players who scored at a similar level at this age, and they're kind of big, tough, rugged forwards. And the good news is that, um, I, you know, most of them, I think for Cassian to pay off, he's got to score a point every second game during this contract, if it's three or four years. And the good news is that most of them achieve that. They, they keep playing okay hockey till they're 32, 33. So I'm a little bit more comfortable because Cassian seems to be healthy and he seems to skate well. I'm a bit more comfortable than I was a while ago myself on the idea of a four-year contract, say $3.5 million. All right, David, let's put it this way. If I'm representing Cassian Rick Kern, I'm looking for a five-year deal. That drives the price point down. Uh, I, I don't. If you're if you're the team, you're looking for a three or four year deal. So what's in the middle? The four year deal. I yeah. don't believe it would get as high as three point five. I, I just get that sense. Okay. Uh, I, I. That's great. You if know, that's the case. That's I just a gut feel I have that that number might be a little bit too high. But I do think this is a player that the Oilers. Uh, need to keep in the fold. Uh, he's obviously very popular, and part of the reason why he's as popular as he is, I mean, he's almost become a bit of a cult uh, figure here at Edmonton. Like, David, we did the uh, picture night the other night over at Roger's Place, and the guy that had the long... Now, in fairness, McDavid and Settle, there was a draw for, for those pitchers, but in terms of the actual lineup, Zach Cassian had by far the longest uh, lineup. Edmonton's always loved their tough guys. He's a tough guy with a quick twitch. Uh, we got the whole story on Matthew Kachuk. And I know you wanted to address a comment that Paul Bissonette, Biz Nasty, made on the Kachuk hits. Oh, he, was, he made the funniest comment on spit, spitting chiclets. And essentially he, he said, just imagine if Zach Cassian had thrown a hit uh, like the one that Kachuk threw at Cassian. Just imagine if Cassian had thrown that at Sean Monahan. He said Calgary Flames fans would have been sending anthrax to Cassian's house. <laughs> so I, uh, it's a bit that, you know, he's obviously exaggerating for effect there. But the Battle of Alberta is unbelievably heated. And this Turtlegate scandal, it's now going on 12 days, Bob, and people are still talking about it. It's, it's amazing the amount of interest. I, there hasn't been an Oilers story with as much interest as Cassian and uh, Kachuk 
I can't recall when. Maybe maybe when Lucic was traded the day of the trade. But this has lasted for days and days and days. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, I was sort of scanning through YouTube last night, and NBC had Anson Carter and Keith Jones talking about it. And I, Anson was really deliberate, saying he he basically said Matthew Kachuk has to fight Zach Cassie in the first because of what he's done. He has to fight him in the first shift when they play each other. And, that, and you know who else believes that I, I believe Matthew Kachuk will fight him. Because uh, then it's all over if he fights him. Then it's over and done with. And the funny thing about the Kachuks and the Lemuse is when they've decided to fight, and we're talking about the dads, when they've decided to fight, they could fight. Like, I mean, what's the worst? You know, and Anson goes into quite, amount, uh, quite, a, quite an interesting amount of detail on the topic, and we don't think, I mean, Anson Carter did drop Kelly Buckberger one time uh, late in Bucky's career. I think Bucky was with L.A. at the time, uh, but we don't think of Anson as that player, but he basically said, look, man, you're going to have to step up and do that if you're going to run around, and that's just the way it is. So uh, it has been very uniform, David, in terms of the support for Cassian out there in the hockey community, hasn't it? We, we even had Ryan Kessler and Kevin Bieksa. Uh, Kessler was adamant, you know, talking about how everyone in the hockey world knows that Kachuk did the wrong thing there. Everyone. Uh, That's Ryan Kessler speaking. So, I mean, in Calgary, though, Bob, they're saying, uh, some of the sports writers and commentators are saying that uh, Cassian should fight Josh Archibald. So... <laughs> or not, not Cassian, but Kachuk should fight Josh Archibald. So he should fight a 180 pound. You know what, Josh Archibald? Yeah, would be, excuse me. Josh Archibald would not be afraid to fight Ka- uh, to fight Kachuk. He would take yeah, that he, fight. He would take. Yeah, he would. He's a tough guy. I, and I, it, it'll be. I, I agree. If if Cassian does fight Kachuk, it's it old. might uh, it, not be as one sided as the last one. That's for sure. Because uh, I, I, Kachuk's a tough guy. Kachuk can handle himself. All right, uh, let's go to Evan Bouchard. Uh, the Oilers are having some problems with their American Hockey League team scoring right now. Um, they've been struggling a bit over the last three or four games, not getting much done on the power play. But the guy who's really increased his five-on-five play, and I've watched uh, about 40% on games this season, Evan Bouchard. What does his play uh, potentially mean long-term for the Oilers? Bob, it's hard. I don't know how you feel about it, watching him play, but I've been watching him. Uh, I haven't, I've watched probably, I don't know, 10 to 15 games from the HL this year. And as I've been watching him develop, it's hard for me not to be kind of thrilled. Um, he, he, like it's, it, it reminds me when I watched Glenn Anderson on the Olympic team way back when and saw this young player who was going to come to the Oilers and he just thought, wow, I can't wait till he gets here. Bouchard's starting to, to make plays with such confidence and he's skating up the middle of the ice. Like he's taking the puck and he's rushing the puck. He's looking like what this means is they're going to have to make room for him, I think, next year. 100%. They're going to have to clear, 100%. just like they cleared out Sekera. They're yep. going to have to clear out a spot. Totally agree. David, how do people follow you? At D Staples on Twitter. All right. Uh, great stuff. Thanks for your time. We'll hook up next week. Thanks, Bob. You bet. That's David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. You know, Uncle Milt was uh, spotted down actually at that game uh, in Ontario. Uh, between Bakersfield and Ontario, the one that Brandon Manning got the five-game suspension for, for a vulgar comment. Uh, but uh, speaking of Uncle Milton, the folks out at Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin, where cars cost less, they've got a terrific service department, and that is part of the reason why they're an eight-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. Right now is a great time to buy. They're clearing out a bunch of their 2019s at Brent Ridge Ford. Of course, they've got the 2020s in as well. Give the gang at Brent Ridge a call at one 477 or visit Brent Ridge.com. 124 in Edmonton back with uh, the injury report for our friends at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. This is Oilers Now. 
Hi, I'm Darnell Nurse from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6:30 Chet. Uh, quickly, let's uh, go to a text on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Kurt says, it's Kurt. Uh, Bob, just for fun, two-part question. If the opportunity was there to trade for A, Mantha, or B, Athanasiu, or sorry, A, Mantha and Athanasiu, or B, Pajo and Brown, would you be willing to give up uh, Gagne for cap and roster space, Paul Yarvin and second-round draft pick, uh, or B, the same players and a first-round pick? Uh, well, you'd have to include the first round pick. To, they're not Detroit's not trading both Athanasiu and Mantha. Mantha's staying there, and he's out for another month. By the way, just announced yesterday on Pajot and Brown. I believe that Brown's going to get re-signed in uh, Ottawa. Not sure what's going to happen in Pajot, so I don't see either of them happening. Uh, the orders aren't going to move a first round pick either, and they're going to be hard pressed to move a second. Let's get to. The Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you by James H. Brown, Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to see jameshbrown.com. Trent and Jim Brown will hook you up. jameshbrown.com. And uh, we just gave you the update on Anthony Mantha. He is out another month. What else you got, Brendan? Artemi Panarin day-to-day with an upper body injury that will keep him out of the All-Star festivities, as mentioned earlier. And William Carlson has been held out of the last two games for the Golden Knights with an upper body issue of his own. Consider him day-to-day. And watched, again, they missed uh, Carlson. They can't move the puck in Vegas, too, in the back end. Uh, watched a bit of that Ranger game last night. Anthony D'Angelo is having a real good year. He's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Brendan and Mew just got back in the lineup for them as well. It's 128 in Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update. John Shannon to talk to us about the Connor McDavid documentary when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.